0: Yeah, stuff was stuff was crazy. It was it was non stop Non stop. I was, was it well attended? At, it was pretty well attended. I was at the Kickstarter, uh, I was at the Kickstarter table handing people their Kickstarter stuff. And some stuff uh, we, we had a box missing of work shirts and sweatshirts of various sizes. And uh, like one person who thought they were getting their stuff. Uh, shipped or didn't know that they were getting their stuff shipped to them uh, somehow convinced someone to give them their stuff. So we were like short, a large shirt. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh. So we, we just ended up having to make a list of what needed to get printed and shipped to who. And uh, a lot of stuff was being shipped anyway. The lurker didn't get printed due to uh, it was either get the lurker printed or get the Kickstarter stuff printed. and it was everything was just varied to the wire, kind of like um, just just down to the line kind of stuff.. Yeah. And like at the last minute for the VIP thing, me and uh, the lady who's known as Cthulhu girl, we went to Safeway and got a bunch of desserts, just little tiny desserts and yeah scott glancy approved of of the selection uh he he did or did not oh he did he did he he was like these are good oh what are these oh i like those and yeah no everyone really liked him but i i thought scott was was a a particularly funny but i mean i think scott is particularly funny a lot of the time but yeah no um it was it was it was pretty fun it was pretty crazy uh just like the non-stop pace and then it would be like for for us it would be like dead for like a really long time and we'd talk to nick the hat and the folks at jack and eight press and stuff like that and oh that's cool yeah it was was fun uh there was some folks from catalyst studios that we chatted with too um but oh wow i bet i could probably just cut this into the uh the show later (laughs) oh sure yeah (laughs) just reminding you, we have t-shirts in the shop. just go to pgttcm.com, check out all of our cool t-shirts, and stickers, heck, we even got some shower curtains in there, keep clean, look cool, have cool stickers to put on stuff, join us on Patreon, get a free sticker, or don't, it's up to you.
1: Spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here, your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio.
0: You're listening to KZOM, only public radio. Greetings listeners, it is I, T.B. Spitzer, and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands, or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian-leaning. Once more, we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again, we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hey everyone, welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I am your host, D.B. Spitzer. Alongside me here, to my virtual right, is my, oh well, your other host, Dave. Farmer Dave, how the heck is it going this week? It is well,
2: but you always say that I'm to your right, and when I look to, to look right, I don't see me.
0: Well, you would have to look to your virtual left.
2: Well, then I would virtually see you. Yeah, there you go. Unless we virtual, unless we put a virtual mirror.
0: <laughs> I think we just have to, uh, I don't know, think fourth dimensionally about this or something. But uh, <laughs> hey, how's 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 your week going in general? What, what's what's been going on at the farm?
2: Well, just you know, everything's been sort of the normal. <laughs> although we do have a little bit of a mystery.
0: Yeah, what's what's the mystery?
2: So we're finding like. Little tiny sort of almost singed, like it's being burnt into the concrete in the barn. And, and it's almost sort of sh- little chicken shaped. But, you know, I count for all the, the baby chucks and they're all there. You know, we're, we we checked all the electricity because last thing you want to do is have a barn fire. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there seems to be something is like etching our... our our little babies, the the chicken duck hybrids, the chucks, in uh-huh. uh, uh, what it looks like um, charcoal.
0: Wow, interesting, interesting. Uh, most most interesting thing I've I've been up to lately is watching uh, Dusseldorf play uh, Minecraft. She was homesick today, and she decided to play Minecraft. And I said, "How do you play Minecraft?" Because uh, she she just started like mine some uh, iron or steel made a bucket grabbed some lava ran north created a huge circle of lava and uh built built house in the ice like the most frozen ice area and hunted with on the ice and when uh enemies would come up she would just smash the ice underneath of them and then the ice would freeze back it was just really amazing i'm like this is how you play minecraft she's like yeah and I'm like okay, I, I I generally mine and craft, but you know she's Neolithic ice hunter, so. <laughs> so,
2: so, so you'd like to know what what my uh, opinion of Minecraft is?
0: Uh, it's it's just Legos. <laughs>
2: Cybernetic ode to strip
0: mining. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, the kids love it.
2: <laughs> oh, oh I, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, the even the sort of cubic. You know, video or Cubist video. Yeah, everyone I know just loves it except for me because I can't play video games. I make people walk in walls. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: I I think we've talked about this before anytime. Yes. Anytime we bring up video games. But yeah, no. uh, Yeah, everything's pretty normal around here for October. Uh, Probably next week I'll have to start raking leaves. Uh, Luckily, Mm -hmm. there's very few. Uh, trees that uh, drop leaves in the cemetery. Everything's mostly evergreens, except for a few uh, maples and a dogwood, and like the big old spooky oak in the center. And and a
2: couple palm trees that I don't know how they keep alive.
0: Oh, man. Those things, and it is... Okay, I'll tell you what. I am not taking care of those very well. I can't get anyone anywhere near here who knows how to take care of a palm tree so those things they look worse than the palm trees out in front of the Hollywood Theater, I'll tell you what. So, and those things look rough. These these things they, it's it's like they they're growing into shapes. Shapes or runes or something like that, like it splits off at the trunk and very like susian in, in nature, but I I am told that they're palm trees. So, Yes. <laughs> the palms of what in, I'm not in, sure. You can tell because
2: they have fingers. Yeah. <laughs> so, so speaking of palm trees, yeah. Then I want to go back to something else you said. You bet. I have a trivia fact that I want to share with everybody.
0: Oh, sure, I'd love to hear
2: that. So, listed on the manifest of the Titanic when it sank, yeah, was 76 cases of dragon's blood. Now you're thinking, what What does that have to do with palm trees? And where can I get some of said dragon's blood?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: Well, dragon's blood was actually palm tree sap. Yep, yep. And it was used to basically as a resin on wood to dye it red that was mainly used in America for uh, violence.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff.
2: So I thought I would share... And you also mentioned something else, the Hollywood Theater.
0: Yes, yes, I was recently... Which is
2: not in Hollywood.
0: No, no, it's in Portland, Oregon, where our... Uh, I, I venture in the from Hollywood time to District. Time In the Hollywood District, which is named after the theater, I've I've been told recently.
2: That's absolutely right. The district's named after the theater, not the other way around.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, due to COVID-19, unfortunately, there's uh, not a lot of stuff going on in the Hollywood District. But this weekend, the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival did happen. And I helped make it happen by being a minion.
2: Well, great job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I unfortunately did not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although, um, <laughs> I uh, we'll be talking about your thing. People say, why is David talking about his thing? But <laughs> know what I did watch this weekend?
0: What did you watch this weekend?
2: I watched Harry, the last Harry Potter movie. Oh. Harry Potter and the Guns Akimbo. <laughs> 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 Wait, which, okay, it's not a Harry Potter movie. Yeah. yeah. But it's... Uh, uh, it's got Daniel Radcliffe.
0: Okay, gotcha, gotcha.
2: I don't know if you've seen it.
0: No, no, I haven't. I have.
2: Okay, and it has it, it ha, basically it's the movie you probably saw the meme where they uh, the bad guys bolted guns to his hands. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, um, so, and the and you know what? Actually, I think Daniel Radcliffe is a decent actor. Uh
0: huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
2: But he played opposite. Samara Waring, okay, or uh, Hugo Waring's
0: niece. All right, I don't and know who she
2: was. Is. She was, um, she was one of the girls in uh, when they redid uh, *Picnic at uh, Hank Rock*, which I think is a very, very mythos-inspired story. Gotcha. Uh, she was Garlet in the most version *GI Joe*, but she was also the bride. She was the babysitter and the babysitter and the bride, ready or not.
0: I, it, all 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 those references missed me somehow.
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, we had to talk about uh, the picnic at Hanging Rock sometime. Sure, but yeah. so, um, I watch anything that she's in.
0: All right, all right. Uh,
2: but uh, she goes, he goes. How can you? His character goes to her. He goes, how can you be? Stand being a, a, a minion, and she goes. Uh, because she was working for the big bad guy yeah he goes you mean the, those little yellow guys and just and then you said that it made me think about this and we've just lost uh 30 of our uh of our listeners as i talk about it but hey if you want to watch a pretty decent satire action show watch harry potter and guns akimbo or as i just as I call it, or just Guns Akimbo.
0: Gotcha. Sounds good. Sounds good. I, you know, going back to uh, the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, I uh, did get a chance to watch some short films that I don't remember the name of because it was like one of the last things I did at the film festival before breaking down and putting everything in the back of Gwen Callahan's van. I, I, which I held the keys of quite a bit at, at, at one point in time. Which uh, You were the keeper of the keys. Yes, I, I, I might as well have been called Vince Clortho because I was the key master. Uh, I ran up and down stairs with folding tables, watching people's stuff while they, they, they go find food, uh, leave Smith and her husband, Michael, watching their stuff while they go and eat food and making sure that no one messes with Nick the Hats stuff while he goes and gets lunch and, uh, bothering the sorts, uh, uh the, the, the folks like, uh, Peter Rollick and, uh, uh, uh Dan, Dan Sauer, uh, so, yeah, no, no, just uh, Manny and just everyone up there, folks over at, uh, oh, goodness, uh, Catalyst uh, Studios. Uh, there's lots of folks up there. The Jack and Eight Press guys. Uh, Adam Bolivar was up there. And I'm saying everyone's Who last names. He's going to be, oh, I, he's gonna be on our show. We've already recorded it. Oh, good, good. And uh, he's going
2: he's gonna to be uh, in our show in
0: a couple of weeks. Oh, very good, very good. He's he's a cool guy. He's He's, he's neat. He, he's always a very d- dressed in very nice, sharp suits. He's got his little H.P. Lovecraft marionette and, uh, of course, uh, a wonderful poet and writer and uh, historian and just kind of knows all kinds of neat stuff. But something I found out is most writers and artists that are at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival are the type of people who would be... The protagonists or the antagonists of an H.P. Lovecraft story. And I, I don't know. I feel like I fit in there somehow. Like maybe not necessarily H.P. Lovecraft. Maybe, a, I don't know, a August Derleth, but <laughs> some sort of I mean, I dilettante.
2: Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you worked out a little bit more. You could be like the star of a Robert E. Howard story.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm pretty close to that there, Dave. But. <laughs> Everyone's very, I don't know what you'd say, uh, learned, has multiple skills and very kind of like interested in antiquity and things of a uh, old spooky nature. Very, very Lovecraftian, I guess, is what I would have to say about like a lot of the people that I, I met, hung out with and just kind of like know from the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. They all all feel like uh, antagonists and protagonists of, of uh, an H.P. Lovecraft story. Quite a bit of them um, uh, feel like the protagonists from *The Hound*, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any... Simjin and company. Yes, yes. Uh, anyway, but yeah, no, no, had a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun putting stuff together and seeing everyone from the community and meeting new people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Some people got some stickers. Uh, Some people picked up some of our Radio Free Oleander KZOM stickers. So, you know, people can check out other shows on uh, KZOM and uh, whatever else is going on with the station these days. So, yeah. um, Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, got to listen to Adam Scott Glancy tell an interesting story uh, about a dog head. And, uh, let's see. Um, as I said, I watched some short films. I think it was Shorts Block 6 that I saw. So I saw Short Block 6, and it was a lot of fun. There was some really scary stuff. One that I remember the name of was Dice. And, oh man, it was not very Lovecraftian, but it was definitely horror. And, uh... Yeah, it's like, to tell you anything about it is to, like, ruin it. It's like, oh, man, if I tell you one thing, it's like, yikes. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of horror there. And a lot of it felt, though, like it would make a really good kind of, like, hey, I want to make a full-length movie. Here's the first ten minutes. And it's, like, right when stuff starts to pick up is where the credits start. In the ones that i saw they looked like really 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 great films but just like the first 10 minutes and first it's like ten minutes it's it's like oh that's when the horror starts and then it's like the end that's like that's really cool for short films and it makes you want to see more and it makes you go oh man if they had a kickstarter for a full-length film that might be good but sometimes i don't know um stretching out a student film into a full-length feature, I'm looking at you, Dark Star. I'm looking, I'm at, looking you, at you, HX1138. Yeah, no, um, maybe not the best idea, but I, you know, sometimes uh, it's 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 a cool thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, there's there were some films that I, I thought were really good. I wish I would have had a chance to see some. And while I was having sushi with uh, uh, HPLFF. Uh, crew over at Sushi Mio, I think it was. I, someone was like, Did you see that last block? And I was like, No. And then she was like, It, it, it made me sick to my stomach. There was one that made me sick to my stomach. And apparently someone fainted. And Ooh. yeah, um, I don't remember the name of the film, but it was, I believe, the last film in film block five. So it was Ooh. very interesting. And yeah, um, all kinds of writers. That's very
2: sort of Lovecraftian, and yeah. then the movie drove them crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a mo- a film so grotesque that it made someone faint. I, I, I was joking about how it was very Lovecraftian, and the fact that it made someone who was probably very much a Lovecraftian antagonist faint from unspeakable horrors.
2: But now, if there's that slight chance that you're listening to this. When we release it, but like in the 24 hours, people can still see the Lovecraft Film Festival, yes. or and that's online.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. Uh, I believe if you go to HPL or uh, oh goodness, uh, look up uh, HP Lovecraft Film Festival and uh, go to that link and or you know go to wherever that directs you, and there's going to be something. And piece... that
2: will be on October. 8th through Mm -hmm. 10th in the year of Azathoth 2021.
0: Correct. So, uh, yeah, check that out and there'll be information if you just look for H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Anyway, um, what else do we got going on the show this week, Dave? So we've actually got a a true friend of the the show, uh, Tommy
2: Clark, who is a a horror writer, a splatterpunk writer, Uh uh uh, but he also has a a, uh, sh- uh, his own podcast where he discussed cosmic horror as well as um, heavy metal music
0: Very nice, very nice Very cool
1: Welcome to Innsmouth, stranger
3: Hi, I'm Rob Whiten from the Innsmouth Book Club Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place; it's a state of mind.
0: This month, bandwidth is brought to you by psychedelic water, legal psychedelics suspended in green tea, and then put inside of a can for you psychedelic water. Who needs a Tilling House Resonator when you've got psychedelic water? Things from another world. It's a store that has art. It has toys. It has comics, graphic novels. It is the place if you like that kind of stuff. Dave and I have talked about it in the show before. They were ever a sponsor. Dave liked to check out their stuff. I like to check out their stuff. They're pretty cool. Toys are graphic design, not graphic design, graphic novels for you. Things from another world. Check out the show notes. Uh, check out the links on our website, pgptcm We've got specific stuff there to let you know what they've got going on for specials. Anyway, thank you again so much. Did you know that there is a THC derivative that's legal called Delta 8? Not to be confused with the Delta variant, but Delta 8, yeah. Uh, you can get it in chewable form, and it's sold at, uh, wh- 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 what's, what's Golden Goat CBD, one of our sponsors? Yeah, you can get some Delta 8, and you can also pick up some CBD chewables gummies. They've got smokables for the Delta 8, and they've got all kinds of stuff for CBD, and they can help you out. Uh, check the show notes, Golden Goat, and while you're in the show notes, hey, do you know about Donner? Donner has so many amazing musical instruments from all kinds, mandolins, banjos. They've got drums, they've got amplifiers, they've got guitars, they've got all kinds of stuff and they ship worldwide. Check out Donner. I think you're gonna like it and I think Donner's gonna have a good deal for you. So I, I love their electric guitars. A lot of the music that I perform for the show is either on one brand or it's on a Donner. So check out Donner. And check out some savings. All right. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that will tell you how to support the show how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to... Asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show too. It's the people's guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. <laughs>
2: And so we've got a, a true friend of the, the show, Tommy Clark, who I think this is about his third or fourth time he's been on the show. Third time. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, and Tommy, uh, maybe if you could just uh, remind our audience a little bit about you and what you're up up to on uh, your side of the country. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a podcast producer and, and writer,
1: author out in uh, upstate New York, Syracuse, New York. And... Um... I've got a new book out called "The God Provides," and it's it's a perfect Halloween book
2: because it's about folk horror, and I guess that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Excellent. Now, I guess I'm going to guess that the God is not the Judeo-Christian God in the story. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> the God got kicked out of Ireland by Saint Patrick. <laughs> ah, ah. ah. I, 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 My mind is already running about uh, about Saint Patrick fighting Yid Yig. Oh, yeah. Crom Cruach, the, uh, the old Irish god. That's ah. my
1: god. And my and That's the god in this book. Um, the god provides about an Irish family, the McIntyres, that live in upstate New York and Apple Country. And uh, it tells you how they became
2: cursed. Excellent. And let's say I was interested, and I am, in purchasing said book. How would I do that?
1: Well, you can get it through Amazon or Barnes & Noble or right through me at thomasrclark.com. Excellent. And uh, you also
2: have a podcast going on, don't you?
1: Yeah, we have the Necrocasticon. It comes out every Monday uh, where we talk to people in horror and heavy metal. Excellent.
2: Excellent. Well, we're going to talk about folk horror. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we should maybe set some definitions. What's your definition of folk horror? Uh,
1: folk horror to me uh, is, is horror from the country. It's, it's you know... Pagan means need, needs country dweller, so you know anything that's pagan, anything that's not Christian. Uh, typical folk horror isn't always you know Judeo-Christian or Abrahamic in origin. It's the other myth the other mythologies that uh, we kind of lost, and uh, some of it's in our myths, some of it's in our legends. Um,
2: but it's there. It's out in the woods, and it's scary, and it's there at night. And, and I see it as, as sort of multi generational. Yeah. These are the same with, stories that scared my grandfather. Yep. Yep. And, you know, you know, I live in the, the heart of,
1: you could say, American folklore, um, you know, because um, Rip Van Winkle and the Headless Horseman, you know, come from my area where I live. And, you know, as, you know, it's the Catskills. It's, you know, it's a couple hours away from me, but it's still the same general area.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So and, I grew up to with those tales. Oh, and to me, the ultimate folk horror, besides being Ralph the Rooster, uh, the ultimate folk horror story is the Jersey Devil. Well, f- for you. Okay. That's your favorite? Well, well what is it I would about say it's the, the one that people that, most that think of so when they think of folk horror. What is it about it, though, that you think that appeals to people so much? So that's a good question. And I'll um, and kind of maybe tell you my personal favorite one. But um, – I think the the reason that I was going to say is I think it's the one that's most well known, but there's definitely there's definitely sort of this traditional folk cursing, you know, that the child is cursed and that the child is devil, almost kind of like uh, Lovecraft. They know, brought your instinct. child and took it away. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and so I'm not sure why. It maybe lasts so long, but to best of my knowledge, the Jersey Devil is the only official state monster. And Oregon and Washington, you guys gotta get up with Sasquatch. Come on, we need a yeah, we need know, a state man. monster.
1: Or, or maybe maybe they can come visit your your your, your, your town and pick Good the goat. old Oleander. Yeah, get a find goat find them something. The goat is the state animal. Yep. <laughs>
2: So well, what are maybe some of your favorite folklore stories well um I, I like the
1: the witches stuff like that the, the 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 keep you in the house and if you look at you know the, the grim fairy tales and stuff like that from back in the day they're kind of folklore too well they actually are folklore yeah. yeah 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 so the stories that keep you in at night. Um, Those are the ones that appeal to me the most. There's nothing that I will actually sit there and say, hey, that's my favorite. But if I'm going to, you know, The Wicker Man. Okay, that's a great one. Harvest Homes, another great one. Um, If you want to go with something that's more close to nowadays, um, Midsummer, I really like that. Or The Ritual, uh, Adam Neville's book and the movie that was on HBO. Those are great examples. of. Well, that's a great example of cosmic and folk horror coming
2: together. Absolutely, and, and you know um, I'm thinking things like uh oh, uh, Arthur Meckham, Yeah, definitely. So I was thinking of another sort of folk horror story that I was thinking of uh, is a uh, La yeah I always mispronounce it La Llorona, the the weeping l- woman. Yes, yes, one of the legends from um, uh, a Latino legend. Absolutely, yes.
1: Um, I'm kind of really, you know, I'm exposed to mostly Celtic, and um, I hate to say it, um, you know, average American white guy folk horror, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because of my upbringing. Um, and, and it's funny how culture inspires, or, or I think um, is what creates a lot of these folk tales. These moral tales to keep, you know, because they're scary stories to keep you in line,
2: basically. That's what they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's it's to keep those. It's the the currents aren't scary enough to keep the kids from the river. Uh, This white weeping woman will be.
1: Right, right, right. Or in the case of up here in upstate New York, um, the, the, the Iroquois tribes around here have this creature that swims around in the lakes that tips over boats
2: and whatnot on you. Same thing. You don't go in the water. What, what folk horror have you personally used in your story writing? Oh,
1: I my new book, um, I, I basically reimagined Irish mythology in it, and I, and I use uh, the, the the fairies, the fae, uh, for my folk horror. Um, a lot of my, folk, my, my horror comes from fantasy, so uh, that's, that's what I tapped into for that. But even going back to Bella's Boys, my 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 cosmic horror book that was nominated for a splatterpunk award this year.
2: Congratulations, it, by the way.
1: Yeah, thank you, thank you. I didn't win. It went to uh, the, the prize went to a young lady uh, who, her name slips from me right now, but she won two awards that night. And God bless her. Really, she deserved both awards. Absolutely, getting nominated to me was a win of itself. So of course, yeah, excellent. It is so. See, you know, I went off track. God darn ADHD.
2: That's <laughs> <Yeah>, okay. <laughs> Where was I before you sidetracked me? There, so Dave? so you're talking about Bella's Boys.
1: Bella's Boys, yeah. Uh, the monster, Bella, basically, is inspired by uh, that lake monster that I just mentioned to you. And my friend Dan uh, Murphy, who uh, just put out one of his first uh, horror books called The Thing in the River, uses the same monster. Uh, it's Nyanahari. Oh. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a an Onondaga and Cayuga Indian uh, legend, uh, you know. And you just don't go in the water or that serpent's going to
2: tip your boat or it's going to do something bad to you. Oh, excellent. So I was kind of thinking, and, and I'm kind of throwing this out of left field, but since we all are a, a, a Lovecraftian podcast, do you think that Lovecraft uses any folk horror? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. The,
1: the cosmic... Portions of his horror lend to the the, the mystery because much of it is, you know, the, the, the locals have you know worshipped this god for for eons, for example, you know. So that's folk horror, but it's also cosmic horror.
2: Yeah,
1: you, you can. They can. Two things can be the same thing.
2: Yeah, no, th- definitely. And and I was thinking too about. Um, the Whiffle You mm-hmm. know how he uses those that, that they say that the you know the, the folk people and the, the legends and the people Dunwich said, you know, that carried the souls of the people into to the right. afterlife. Yep,
1: that's that's folk horror right there. That's the folk aspect of it. The folk interpretation of the cosmic.
2: Exactly. And and then Robert E. Howard does the, the same thing sort of with Pigeons to Hell. You know the, the the legend in in the South is that the pigeons are taking the souls to uh, people to hell.
1: Oh God, that, that's what, that's why they're in the cities, the big cities. Uh, uh, according to Robert E.
2: Howard, and I, I wouldn't doubt him.
1: <laughs> oh man, he's one of my idols too. Yeah.
2: Um. So what are maybe – do you have maybe – and I don't want you to reveal maybe stuff that's going to be in your next book, but uh, do you have some some folk horror that you you really like or or share with besides uh, the ones you've used in your previous books?
1: Well, I'm going to be going back to the world that I created in um, The God Provides just because I really like the characters a lot. Excellent. Um, And I like the world that I built there. Um, and it is tied into the rest of my fictional you know uh, mythology but I, I just like these people I like these characters and, and I've come I've, I've taken a big step forward as a writer in the way I've presented them um, so I'm going to go back to this as soon as I can um, right now I'm trying to finish up you know a couple of other projects that just aren't working out as well as I can want them to but mm, it's because yeah. I've got that folklore thing in the back of my head now uh, and I've been watching a lot of folk horror on TV, you know, with movies. Um, uh, even Dracula is kind of folk horror in a sense. Especially for its time, I agree. Yeah. And and so one of the ones that I watched recently was um, The Boys from County Hell, uh, which is basically Shaun of the Dead with uh, vampires in Ireland.
2: Oh, I haven't heard that one. I'll have to check yeah, it out. It's,
1: it's, it's on Shutter. Um, it, it takes advantage of the, the same... A legend that some say Bram Stoker did uh, for creating Dracula with uh, the 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 bloody king.
2: Hmm.
1: So, yeah, I want to revisit that again because you know I I keep going back to the stuff that you like. So I've been watching a lot of Irish (laughs) folklore.
0: As a result.
2: (laughs) Oh, and 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 the irish did they do they tell great stories and do they have great myths well yeah
1: absolutely and the thing about them the, the mythology the irish mythology is that it's very fluid it, there there isn't a real documentation of it like we have of the greek myths or the or even the eddas of the of the north or the northmen um, for the viking gods or even the egyptian gods as the case can be so it gives you as a writer a little bit of leeway to do what you want with the mythology. So I did do that with The God Provides. I, I twisted it a little bit, to, to twisted mythology to my purposes in much the same way as the, the guys that wrote the Vikings TV show did with History. Yeah. <laughs> but I did it to tell a, to be able to tell a cohesive story and, and to use the myth as metaphor and allegory for what is going on in the actual narrative itself.
2: No, uh, definitely. And and the other thing is that that a lot of the audience is not as going to be familiar with it. So in a ways, it's kind of new to them.
1: Yeah, yeah. the same as the Marvel movies where they reimagine the origins of obscure characters, Uh, especially like with Shang-Chi right now that's out, which is a fantastic movie, by the way. Um, With
2: a Lovecraftian slant, too absolutely there was not to spoil it for everyone but but there's some there's some Lovecraft influence in that one
1: well there's some there's some nasty evil cosmic creatures coming to earth they're called the Deviants
2: and they look just like something in Lovecraft stories oh yeah they do we we won't mention (laughs) yep we won't uh, mention those at all spoiler alert (laughs) yeah spoiler alert (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to derail you there. No,
1: we're fine. That's that's the, You can do that whenever you want. It's your show, brother. Oh,
2: well, thank you. <laughs> so, so I'm going to tell I grew up in Ventura, California, Ventura County, uh, and I was a Boy Scout. I was never an Eagle Scout because I was a Boy Scout, but I wasn't a really enthusiastic, you know, go-getter scout. But I went camping. And there are two stories. And, and there were two stories. And I was, of course, I was the one that always told the ghost stories. I was making it off the top of my head. Perfect. And my scoutmaster, somebody knows how to tell a tale. But there's two stories that the people of Ventura County pretty much know. And one is Charman. And Charman was this guy who was camping in the 20s. And you got to remember, this is the, the 80s, early 80s. But he was camping in the 20 and he was dousing his fire with gasoline and it blew up and burned him all across the skin. And he jumped into the river and it put out the fire, but it drove him crazy. Um, And there may have uh, nobody's been able to really see if that was a true story or not. But 60 years later, you know, they're still telling that story that, you know, this guy's got to be 80 years old and he's still out there, you know, grabbing Boy Scouts. And, oh, yeah, oh, scary story. <laughs> I remember going to the latrine one night and a cow started following me. And I freaked out because I thought it was Oh, charming. I can imagine.
1: That must have made you pee yourself on the spot.
2: <laughs> no, but it made me run quickly. <laughs> Which is not a good thing to do in front of a cow. No, it's not. I didn't know that now. at the time. Well, again, yeah,
1: the, the campfire right there, there's another place for the folk horror story to shine. Campfire t- stories. Yeah. Just as you were saying there, you know, the, 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 that whole reason that story was told to you kids was to keep you guys in check when you're out camping.
2: Yep. And then the other thing, and there is, I've never seen it, but I, I, I believe there is basically a crude stone house built out in the woods, out in Ventura, out in the woods. And that, you know, somebody just built a sort of stone house together and probably lived there. But the story has always been that it was vampires. I don't know who associated it with vampires at first, but that had always been the legend that, you know, if you go looking for that house, you better be looking in the daytime because if you go at night – it, it, you're not going to return, or you're going to return. You're going to be all dizzy, and you're going to have pain in your neck, and and forgot where you were the last couple of hours. A vampire legend. That's awesome. Yeah, and and you know, and apparently, <coughs> I have no reason. I mean, I don't. I think they found that stone house in like the '60s, so they've been telling the story there. But apparently, you know, that charman story they've been telling since the '20s. Wow. Well, you know, I will
1: hear on. In Syracuse, New York, you know, three thousand miles away from you, um, we have this place in uh, Onondaga County called uh, Split Rock Quarry. And back during the World War One, it was a munitions plant, mm-hmm. and it blew up. And the explosion could be heard a hundred miles away, and it shook the ground as far away as you know, a couple of suburbs away. Um, but that has led to folk stories of the place being haunted and those are those are stories that are warning the people not to go up to the property yeah um coming from a great tragedy um so the fear of going to that property because of what happened there propagates a story to keep prevent people from going there but actually encourages them to do it there was bottle you know so people go up there anyway and it ends up being this big party spot <laughs> Yeah,
2: I to say stupid boy scouts and, and teenagers it's almost a challenge to them yes You're right the same as that
1: vampire house in the same as the creepy old guy in the forest yeah, yeah
2: there is there, and they are they are warnings but at the same part they're like temptations Yes. Like I said, they're two-edged.
1: Yeah.
2: You
1: know? don't, don't do this, but hey, we're telling you not to do this, just to tempt you to do it. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, they do it. Yep. <laughs> Stupid well, guy, yeah, Stupid guy, don't go in the basement in the house.
2: <laughs> yeah. Don't. Don't split up. Yeah, let's <laughs> <don't> split up. <laughs> See, people wonder
1: why those tropes work. Well... Because they, they tell you stories. Don't go in the creepy old house in the woods. And what do you do? You go in the creepy old house in the woods.
2: Of course you do. No one wants to say, "Yeah, I'm the guy. I went home and had my hot chocolate, and you know, uh, watched uh, Netflix."
1: Well, what was Rip Van Winkle but a, a but a, a warning to you not to go get drunk out in the woods so blasted that you don't know where you are and you fall asleep and wake up 20 years later. Because the fake the fa- got you. Absolutely.
3: You know, this is,
1: the, the stories are there to, to, to warn us and just, people just don't freaking listen to them.
2: Nope, nope. We, we, we forget. that we, we, we forget. even Even the original mythology, you know, there were warnings in those stories. Yeah, they're all moral yeah. tales. Yeah, and we, we forget them because we are silly little earthlings.
1: Yeah, they're there to tell you what not to do. Why did they make the, the, the king of the gods so promiscuous in Greek mythology? To show you what kind of drama and bull crap that you're going to get if you're promiscuous. Yep. You know, it was a warning for you. Don't be that way. Uh, most religions are basically a moral code to live by so that you don't, you know, just go out and murder the person next to you on a whim. Yep, Exactly.
2: Well, as always, and we're running out of time here. But as always, we love having you here. Uh, anything, maybe any other uh, uh, folk horror story or something you'd like to share with us before we go?
1: Uh, I think uh, if you want to check out uh, a book called uh, Harvest Home. Oh, okay. um, yeah, that's that was uh, filmed as a Betty Davis was in the uh, the movie adaption of it that was on TV. Okay. Um, but um, who, wrote, who wrote that? Uh, Tom Tryon back in the 70s but that's a good one to check out Um, again The Wicker Man um, Adam Neville's The Ritual another good one to check out especially again for those who like to cross over their cosmic and and
2: folklore together Um, excellent recommendations yeah yeah and, and again, uh, if, uh, our audience is interested in getting some of your books. Where could they do that?
1: Okay, you can find Thomas R. Clark on Amazon and also over on BarnesandNoble.com. And I'm also at ThomasRClark.com, where you can get my books from there and uh, follow my blog and all that stuff.
2: Well, thank you very much, and hope to have you on the show again soon. Yes, Dave. Thank you for having me, and Happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah, thank you.
3: Do you like the TV series Tales from the Crypt? Are you interested in full episode and movie reviews from Tales from the Crypt? This podcast is for you. The Good Evening Kitties podcast, where I, Melissa, your ghostess with the mostess, recap every episode with special guests and bonus horror movie reviews. The Good Evening Kitties podcast can be found on most podcast platforms. Check it out today.
0: everyone welcome back from the break dave what did you do to do, do during the break
2: i broke
0: you broke okay I
2: just broke down just started crying now i feel better
0: Oh, cool. I, I, I tried to get another can of water, and Dusseldorf had locked the back door and wouldn't let me in. And then I'm like, I need water. And she's like, what's the password? And I'm like, I don't know the password. And she's like, it's water. And I'm like, can I have a water? And she's like, yes. And then I got a water. Not a great story, but...
2: That's yeah, pretty cool. The, pa- yeah. the password is always swordfish.
0: Oh, uh, Apparently it was water this time. Oh. Anyway, and uh, she was just building stuff with slime in Minecraft in creative mode which I don't, mm. anyway so uh let's so see so we're
2: talking D&D on D&D talking about B&B
0: yeah or
2: b and B J.
0: so that would be Baiques and Brown Jenkins not not together necessarily not not a bunch of rat things riding on the back of a uh I don't know. Uh, decomposing nah, really cool. mole whoa, whoa. reptilian insectoid thingo. But yeah, 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 that would that that, that would be an interesting campaign.
2: <laughs> yes, it would. Um so which one do we want to talk about first?
0: Well, let's let's talk about Brown Jenkins first. Okay. So, personal story.
2: I'm dexlexic and I don't
0: read well.
2: I mean, so f- for decades, I thought it was brown jerkin, like a, a heavy coat.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
2: And I figured that was just some sort of, <laughs> uh, you know, East coast type of coat or something, but no, it, it's brown Jenkins. It's not brown jerkin.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, but that would, that would be, uh, I don't know. Uh, interesting, uh, that would be an interesting red herring to, like, name a character brown jerkin in a Call of yeah. Cthulhu game. Like some, like, you know, call him a rat face jerk or something like that. Like some sort of, like, rat face snitch having co- you know, a copy, like, oh, yeah, that rat face snitch over there, brown jerkin. And then people be like, what?
2: Huh? Tell them they have to retrieve the brown jerkin, and it turns out it's a brown coat it has nothing to do with rats.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And have someone say, that house, which house? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry.
2: So, research, I found Brown Jenkin in something that kind of surprised me. Oh, what's that? So, apparently, there was this TV show. Sure. Called Salem. All right. And it was three years on one of the hormone channels, WC or CW, whatever they gotcha. are. Okay. In which it's sort of a, you know, se- sexy angst version of uh, the Salem Witch Trials. Because <laughs> okay. the Salem Witch Trials. Needed more teen angst.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally. And
2: more sex. <laughs> but the main character, Anne Hale, is like a good guy witch.
0: Okay, okay.
2: And her familiar yeah. is called Brown Jenkin. And t-
0: what, what kind of animal which, is it?
2: it? It's a rat.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay.
2: And apparently it grows and... Cha- I haven't seen the TV show. Gotcha. But according to the Salem Wiki, it grows and changes size as she uses magic.
0: Oh, okay. Huh.
2: So I'm just sort of surprised. I mean, obviously they got the name from, from Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, other thing I found while I was doing research,
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh,
2: we all pretty much know that... Um. That Brown Jenkin is, uh, uh, Kaziah Madison or maybe Mason, Mason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, familiar, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then I read in several places it was speculated that it it was his her child, and that that the father was Narvahotep. Okay. And I go, well, where were... So apparently, I've, I haven't read this either, but it's actually kind of interesting. That idea came forth in a uh, a novel called Prey. P-R-E-Y. Oh, okay. By uh, Graham uh, oh, Masterson. And so in that, which, again, I haven't read, but it's more sort of the that's the time-traveling adventures. and mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. more of... Because I... Uh, um, it's actually um, her child. And that it's um, the son of, of the black man, which is a, as even though he's the god of the witches, it's never said, but again, through the role-playing games and stuff, pretty much he's associated with Narnia Hotep.
0: Okay, gotcha. Cool. Very cool. That's, that's, Yeah. Neat. So you so, could use Brown Jenkin in uh or a Narlehotep campaign or Brown Jenkin type creatures in different cultures, maybe not necessarily a rat, but like maybe like a giant scarab with a human face. Uh, or
2: or or everybody oh, it's a first adventure. It's our first uh, level characters. We're yeah. gonna encounter giant rats and or giant frogs. Yeah. You know, and so everybody is somewhere in the first, you know, dungeon. So, yeah, give them a bunch of giant rats, but all of a sudden one rat has a human face.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or whatever your first first level, first first encounter, <laughs> your, your zero level encounter to, <laughs> you know, make the experience roll over. Yeah, no, and, uh, you know, instead of having, like, a giant rat at the end, have, like, a, a rat-faced minion or something like that, but...
2: But it also sort of thought, you know, this is a familiar. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not tinker with the characters' familiars? Sure. Yeah. Why? Why? You know? Why do the? Why can't you know? I every game I've ever played that had a familiar, it it, it, it always seemed like an animal or a traditional animal on the outside. Uh huh. Uh uh-huh. Why? Why? You know? Especially if it's like a wild. You know, magic or you know, fae magic. Why not have you know a crow with human hands or yeah, some sort of some sort of magical sort of hybrid as the familiar? Oh, it sure. make it much harder to much har- harder to hide.
0: Yeah. And, well, I, I was I was going to say yeah, that would make it much harder to hide the fact that someone's magical, or someone has like a familiar, or that it's like you know someone's extra set of eyes. Um, the other thing I was thinking uh, is normally in a DD and d campaign I've played, I've been in whatever, I've, I've sat in and listened to People, you, you'll have a wizard with a familiar, but there won't be generally like a bad person with a familiar that, you know, the familiar messes with the party. Maybe that is a little tropey. I don't know if that's too tropey or not. Uh, it, 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 if, if someone has a familiar in the party, there's generally not like an evil familiar to like mess with that familiar mm. or like, an, you know, sometimes evil people, evil wizards will have familiars that that do things. And that would be great to have for like an evil character who's spying on your character in the woods or in a dungeon or in the city or something, you know, some kind of place that you would like expect to see a rat yeah no definitely so uh,
2: i had a friend and i didn't play in this game but he told (laughs) me about it that he had run sure so that the party comes in and uh, i think they're like fifth to sixth level and there's a a witch and they just hit this witch with everything they've got Mm -hmm. and it's just not harming her and and she's you know every she's like zapping out their hit points left and right and one of the characters realize or see that you know, on this on this table with all this junk, is this rat that's moving up and down? I guess it's familiar, mm-hmm. and so they can't hurt the witch directly. She's invulnerable, but at the price of her familiar. So, so they have to realize that they had to kill the familiar,
0: or they could not do any damage to her. Ah, interesting. Very cool. And then just put a face on that familiar, and. You got yourself a brown Jenkin, or a yeah. brown Jenkin bat thing. Ooh, bat thing. I like that idea. A bat with a human face on it? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. A fly okay, with a so... human face on it? Hello.
2: Hello. Uh. So how about we make a, a movie uh-huh. about a bunch of Jenkins that are going to rob a bank? Uh-huh and brown jenkins there and then pink jenkins says why do i
0: have to be pink jenkins at least you're not brown jenkins brown jenkins sounds like yeah no i like that reservoir jenkins yes (laughs) i do 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 Ah, all right uh what about I i
2: think we we've gone as far as we can with Brown Jenkins. Oh with, yeah, uh, that's Karen why Kino I
0: said Jones. how about buy a key? <laughs> I didn't even want to say goodbye. Let's leave those rat things in the dust. So, so
2: here's you know there's contradictory information on the internet. Okay. I can't believe it. Alright. So, several places on the internet says that buy keys were created by August Darylis. Alright. But the only places that the earliest places that I can find, uh, uh, Daryl is using via keys are in, uh, and, and someone will probably write, please do that where I'm wrong. But the earliest that I could find was in, uh, Trail Cthulhu, mm-hmm. uh, the thing on Curran, uh, Curran Road, I think, um, but was published in 1944, and Lovecraft, the festival, uh-huh. which is his first mention. Yeah, you know, Lovecraft had been dead for six years. Sure. In yeah. 1944, uh, was um, the festival. So maybe I don't know if uh, Daryl has sat on it for twenty years and uh-huh. just didn't publish it, or I I don't know, but. I have a feeling, and maybe it was a term that Darylis created. Sure. But I have a feeling that Lovecraft created. But uh, I, I'm i wrong, I'm wrong.
0: Okay, all right.
2: And... It... Oh, go for it. And the bio-keys that, that Lovecraft talked about aren't the bio-keys that we, we, we think when we think bio-keys.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, what were the bio-keys that uh, Lovecraft talked about?
2: So the story in the festival, uh-huh. um, you know, he has, this guy is returning back to uh, this, uh, you know, uh, Kingsport actually sure, outside yeah. Kingsport. It's the first mention of Kingsport in any Lovecraft story, uh, where he goes back where they have this worship this ceremony mm-hmm. at the oh, festival. Yeah, yeah, he climbs into underground caves, and then the cultists basically have to ride on the back of the byakhee in underground rivers you know i remember our, our good friend ken Hyde basically mm-hmm. describing them as giant rubber duckies yeah yeah the cultists grabbed around their neck um and he describes them as these terrible terrible things and all scary and they're kind of giant rubber duckies sure yeah. now we see them kind of as this insect rat uh, i mean bat uh, you know reptilian... Interstellar steed of haster so, so that's... Yes. And that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah. I think, and, and this is where people who know better than me,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: I think that as near as I can tell, they're associated with Haster yeah. because of the Call of Cthulhu game.
0: Yes. that's that's I don't know. That seems... <laughs> I haven't read because, all of the King in Yellow stuff. In, in that's the out festival,
2: there. It's not Haster they're going to worship.
0: Yeah. It's,
2: I can't pronounce it, but the fire god. Oh, Cthulhu? Yes, it's, it's one of those. So if you were creating, and I think arguably this whole servitor race idea uh-huh. may have been Diluthian, but I think honestly that was created for Call of Cthulhu games. Yeah. In fact, They've taken that out of the seventh edition, which I kind of miss as oh, a game master. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: But you know, yeah. How did it get? How did they get associated with Hathar mm-hmm. instead of you know the god of the festival?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
2: And, and as near as I can tell, and I'll try to maybe I'll answer this question on next week's show. Sure, yeah. But as near as I can tell, it was the game, the Call of Cthulhu game. Yeah. That it decided mm-hmm. that it was, you know, going to be the the servitors of Hathar. Okay, all right. It was and I know that they definitely aren't uh, chambers. They don't appear. I'm pretty sure in any of chambers stuff. And I'm I'm absolutely convinced oh. that if they'd read it, been a part of Ambrose Beer's story, I would have ran across them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm 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 thinking if it's something that. Uh... Like, Star Steeds of Haster. It's either something either in, uh, like, Lynn Carter-type stuff that I haven't ran across yet, or... It, it could have been
2: Derelict, stuff, It's been a while yeah. since I've read Cult, uh, you know. The Trail of Goodfuga. Yeah,
0: I was like, maybe there's some Robert Block, or, or just some of that stuff in the 70s and early 80s that came out about, like, a lot of Haster stuff that... that I, I don't know. Um, that kind of, you know, it's kind of stuff that uh, a lot of the RPG kind of, like... Lifts this uh, Haster mythos from because uh, Chambers and Durleth and I mean, uh, Chambers, uh, you know, the what Chambers wrote really doesn't match up with like what's in the RPG, and what Lovecraft wrote just barely kind of mentions it, just was like a name drop. So it's like this, this Haster mythos that we we know it comes from somewhere, and I don't have a lot of those books. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, I, I, a lot of this is going to come, I think, from uh, Call of Cthulhu. Uh-huh, because uh-huh. even when I was sort of a novice GM and stuff, you know, the, my players, they knew who Cthulhu was. They may even yeah. know who Narla Hotep is. Yeah. But you could always throw Hathar in, or Hastar in.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's one that I generally go with because of the fact that, uh, I don't know, I, didn't, I, I wanted to stay away from i don't know nautical and and and, and like uh antarctic stuff and you can do a lot of like haster stuff in city settings you can do it in rural settings you can you can put it in all kinds of places and it just kind of like just shockingly then starts showing up every place you go strangely and yeah no um And also just kind of, like, want to stay away from, like, some of uh, the trappings of Lovecraftian type stuff and forcing people to, like, do 1920s things if people want to play a modern game. And I I think Haster really kind of, like, is something that can, like, creep into a modern game a little bit easier than, like, I don't know, I have an easier time with, like... Uh, thinking stuff Haster-wise instead of thinking stuff Cthulhu-wise or why people would follow a modern cult of Cthulhu Mm. Um, (laughs) uh, but I could I I, I personally could see following a modern cult of Haster Uh, but I I think that's that may just be me yeah maybe and of course if you know um since I, I i tend to run haster heavy games i i i do use uh by as like this this ancient interstellar race that that worships haster and uh does the bidding of Haster. And if haster wants uh you know dumb pink uh uh, you know, apes that live on a, 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 a dirt sphere to uh, you know see the glory of the king in yellow. Then you know it's 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 the will of Haster. So you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't necessarily treat uh, uh, byakie as like dumb animals or dumb you know like transportation. I treat them almost like. Uh, ancient wizards that don't quite speak the language and also are like apex predators at the same time. So just kind of like things that can cast magic and also mess you up really bad. It's just like not even something you want to deal with. If you're seeing a, buy a key you messed up really bad already. <laughs> you're messing with stuff that you shouldn't be even, you know. Anyway, uh, that's that's how I've generally used buy a key And I want to know how you use buy a key Dave.
2: So, so if I'm going to do a good versus evil game, and, and, and I absolutely am not a fan of... I mean, if that's what you write, go ahead. More points to you. Good versus evil mythos books. Sure. But it helps, I think, if you've got two antagonist sides. So if you're going to do, you know, the Elder Gods versus, you know, the Great Old Ones, mm-hmm. I see them as the flip coin uh, of... Um, night gods yeah yeah and so and, and I'm, I'm not gonna i'm gonna use the term angel and devil but it's not what they are to me sure they're both these sort of mindless creatures that are not, not mindless but no so advanced that the human mind can't understand them sure yeah and they're beyond good and
0: evil mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: but let's say you've got this um battle between um you know th- or the, the the adventurers and their investigators they release like half a dozen baiki, and there's just no way they can bring them out well they release the last artifact and then you know half a dozen night gaunt show up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or another creature that you could sort of use them as as coverage you know that you're trying you run away as quick as you can while these two aliens are fighting each other mm-hmm. but another one who doesn't necessarily have any respect towards the Baaki could be the Migo yeah you know so you have basically these two alien forces as uh, fighting each other the character's chance to escape mm-hmm. but also, the, the exciting part is you've got to be dodging all these, um, you know, lightning bolts or not lightning bolts, but lightning projectors and spells and yeah. and creatures grabbing you with the talons.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um, a, a fun trick I've used in the past is either having a, buy a key locked in some sort of cavern using like uh, runes or Elder sign. Mm-hmm. Or uh, people finding a book where uh, a, a summoned a key is labeled something like um, uh, "talk to wind spirit," or um, just just something like "space eagle" or "star eagle" or something like that. Just something yeah. that that doesn't the make starbird. You, yeah, it doesn't make you think of by a key, or you know, and and just then you're like oh man and i have something else that i've done in the past is i've treated um key kind of like pokemon in the sense that the sound that they make is 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 like why they're called key it's like this like oh, key cool. but it's like it's that's the closest that the human voice can come to like doing the sound but it's like if 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 you say buy a key and then you hear it you go oh i get it i get it wow that's creepy it's like it just saying by a key and then hearing it later, people go, oh, don't say that word. Don't say that word. I don't ever want to hear that again. it's <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, like, like the word by a key after seeing one causes like 1D some, you know, just like 1D2 sanity. If you fail your sanity check, just it's, it's just like something that just like, it ruins your day. It's, 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 they're bad news. You don't want to see them. You don't ever want them around. They're just kind of like... And if someone's using them to guard something, you want to either... I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if, if they're using it to guard something, you either want to get that thing and burn it, or <laughs> just leave the bio key where it is, because no one's going to get past it for a while.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And kind of in the same thing where you said, you know, like a, a star bird or something. hmm mm-hmm. I had one that was set like on New Year's in West Virginia Hills, and this millionaire basically made a deal with the amigo that they would get, he would get all this technology, uh-huh. but they would get his brain at, at the end of the year. Sure. So he brings all these occultists together to defend them, and it comes <laughs> up, he, they find a, a spell that's, um, um, oh, uh, oh, call forth the guardian golem. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. And so they,
2: in desperate, they call forth the golem, guardian golem and
0: it's a, a, a Shagoth. Oh,
2: wow. Yikes. That's no but but good. <laughs> eventually the Shagoth, so, you know, I think they lost at least one party member or, or got like acid burned from the But eventually the. The you know the the Migo didn't want to it it worked eventually because the Migo didn't want to take on the Shaga mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: then it, then they were able to sort of reverse the spell and it it was turned back into stone.
0: Yeah. Huh. Interesting. That's. <laughs> so so
2: one other thing though, and I I kind of got this from one of the. The Call of Cthulhu Adventures. Yeah. But, um, there was a, a voodoo doctor, mm-hmm. uh, and a witch doctor, and he summoned, and the bio-key was basically his assassin.
0: Oh, It interesting.
2: would swoop in at night, and then go all, you know, go up like a thousand feet, and then drop the
0: the poor victim. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty horrifying. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've used, uh, definitely used bio-key for that. Like, people trying to investigate why the heck, uh... How someone was dropped from such a height and why they had the claws and, and, and like, uh, or not claws, but, like, why it looked like they were torn up by, like, a tiger and dropped from, like, a great height. and. Oh,
2: you know, if you're doing a modern one, mm-hmm. you know that old urban legend, uh, the scuba diver found in the tree?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Where, where the urban legend is he got picked up by a helicopter?
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, you know there
2: was uh, there was fire in the helicopter. Or it was a fire helicopter, mm. and he got dumped on the fire. But what if it's that? It turns out you know they find a scuba diver in a tree, but it, it's the key.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that... And, and,
2: and maybe maybe the key is like a is like
0: uh, an osprey
2: or something to the um, to uh, the deep ones. You know the key will take protect the air, and the deep ones will uh, protect the water. And maybe uh, pick a uh, or oh, some sort of uh, or the ghouls on the land. Maybe they have like this unholy trinity to protect this <laughs> island or
0: something. <laughs> oh wow, that's a pretty cool idea. That's a pretty cool idea. Or um, maybe you just have uh, like an area where the reef area around the island is a deep one city, but uh, the island, uh, the the lake within the island is not only uh, around the lake is a uh, cultist's uh, cultists for Yagulinek and cultists for uh, Haster. <laughs> so you have yeah. ghoul cultists, then you have Bayaki, and then you have Deep Ones. <laughs> and and good
2: luck um... having any sanity and or hit points after that.
0: One. Oh yeah, and then then maybe you know you have like your uh, ship crash there, or your plane crash there, or your resort town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, there you go. Have it take place in a par harbor, uh, yeah, no, mm. um, anyway. So, uh, here we are. Um, what else do you think you could use a bayak key for?
2: Well, I, I think that it's, I think that the last sort of interesting idea is you know, we assume all these creatures are universal. Especially, let's say you're you're playing a D mm-hmm, and D game, and good versus evil is completely legitimate. It may be, it may make terrible, call of Cthulhu
0: literature, mm-hmm.
2: but you know, good versus evil is part of D and D.
0: And so is is law versus chaos or order versus yeah. chaos.
2: Yeah, so what if it what if it's a good byke?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: What if he's escaped from the court of Hastar, and now you know. They they find this this like blind oracle goes up to the mountain, and gets this information. If the, the party falls, that they see it, such as disgusting looking, you know, half bird, half bat, ripped up wings. You know, do they go on, you know, the first sight and say, oh, we got to destroy this, or, you know, do they listen to its warnings?
0: Ooh, interesting, interesting. Something I've done with Byakhee is uh maybe hint at the fact that they were once a different type of interstellar uh, species that was then influenced by their deep connection to haster but at one point in time were like something like somewhere between like butterfly space jellyfish but because of their uh influence uh under haster they they started taking on more darker uh, less defined shape, where they're like, mm-hmm. kind of like when you view them, uh, the 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 mind kind of goes towards more darker things, like things that you maybe have issues with, like uh, some people may yes. see things like insects, reptiles, uh, decomposed humans, while other people see things more like kind of like crow, kind of uh, I don't know, carcass, kind of uh moles things you know it's like you don't quite see the same thing because the fact that they're multi-dimensional creatures but then they've become uh affected by the influence of haster so what you see when uh what what the paradola that the human mind creates when looking at a by is now more of a dark Image it takes on a, a darker meaning as before. It was just more kind of a, a benevolent kind of like just natural space thing that flew around yeah. in the vacuum of space. Anyway, that's, or, or that's... One,
2: one last suggestion. Yeah, yeah. Go old school. Make them these giant big rubber ducks. Hey, you know, players are so. First of all, oh, okay, it's a water. Well, it can't be a biaki because yeah. because biakis don't swim. Well, you know, in the first story they ever appeared in, yeah, they did.
0: Right in so Kingsport. So maybe not a
2: duck, but make them, make them amphibious.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Kingsport isn't too far from uh, Innsmouth. They, 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 they may have migrated. Yeah. They may have taken and over. And
2: it's got that huge mountain.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, if you know, just uh, down down the coastline, uh, maybe maybe some bayaki took residence in a, a a town that became deserted after the uh, navy took everyone out.
2: <laughs> you know, the, the Kingsport, you know, has that that high cropping. That you know, the the house on the high on the high mountain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe you, your players get up and finally get up to that and instead of Night Gaunts, yeah, it, it's Bayaki.
0: Yeah, if if people have read the story and they're expecting Night Gaunts uh, and, and and they they get Bayaki. At one point in time I thought maybe uh, Night Gaunts and Bayaki were just like different descriptions of the same thing and it's like actually uh, you know, I, I reread the uh, dream quest of unknown kadath and I'm like yeah no that's not nothing 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 alike I feel like uh um Bayaki are not very humanoid and I feel like night are very humanoid in nature while uh yeah. Bayaki are more animalistic or alien and un- unknown and unknowable Yes agreed. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you know one more thing that I want to say that Bayeki are great for?
2: What are Bayeki great for?
0: Getting the heck out of here.
2: Well, then in that case, let us say good bye
0: a <laughs> Goodbye-A-Key to you as well, Dave. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. This is October, first weekend of October, and right now on uh, Black Clock Audio Tales, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, audiobooks, whatever you want to call what we do the rest of the week. Uh, we currently have Rink and Tink in Oz going on, And then in the later half of the month, we are going to have some ghost stories. Are you excited about that, Dave?
2: I am excited to hear more ghost stories.
0: All right. They're going to be pretty good. And I'll make sure I actually post what the names are either in the show notes or in the episode title. So that there won't be a kind of like, hey, what was that fourth story in uh, October of uh season eight that you did ghost stories and i have to like look it up and anyway so there won't be any of that so if you want to like find stories to like read later or do whatever else sometimes teachers contact me about this stuff and they're like i heard a story on your show i can't remember who it was and you just said science fiction weekend and then i have to go back and rename things anyway so i'm not naming things like that anymore i'm trying to be very specific so educators can uh you know, educate. And people who want to share stuff can share. And hey, don't forget to share People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos with me and Dave. And check out the show notes. Check out PGTTCM.com. Check out our sponsors. Uh, help the people who help support us. And check out our shop. We've got some pretty cool shirts. We've got the Dave's Corner t-shirt. We've got the I Am Well Dave's shirt. And then we've got some just goofy stuff that I've put out there. And of course... Uh, we'll see you next time. And, uh, Dave, do you got anything to say? Be well. All right. And uh, by your key. Um, oh, man, it wasn't funny when I said it. Okay.
2: Yeah, it wasn't bad.
0: All right. See you later, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the show. Music is by me, D.B. Spitzer, edited and produced by me, D.B. Spitzer. The interview portions are always edited and produced by David Heath. And, hey, you can find us wherever you find podcasts. So check out PGTTCM.com. And if you don't want to check out the Patreon, and if you don't want to do that, and you want to help out the show, just go to sponsors or buy T-shirts or anything like that. Anything helps. Thank you again.
3: You're, You're listening, listening to KZOM, KZOM. Oleander Public Radio.